Hello and welcome to Storytellers of STEM. My name is Rachel Villani. Today's storyteller is Damian White. Damian is currently a PhD student working on conservation and restoration efforts of the Jamaican iguana on Goat Island. This particular species was thought to be extinct in the 1940s, but was rediscovered in 1990 or so. And there's a lot of research going on with this species. It's really a remarkable story, but honestly, it's only one part of all the amazing things that Damien is doing. He's also got a pretty big social media presence where he's using it to educate people, dispel myths that persist about some species, and find information about invasive species. And so we talk about the pros and cons of how we can use social media and sort of like the you know online presence of the world in uh, 2021, which is an interesting conversation, I think. And so then we, we talk about his research, social media, like I said, the value of interdisciplinary collaboration, and then really just about a bunch of things. Damien has a variety of social media pages that you should go follow, and the links will be in the show notes. I really had a lot of fun with this, and I'm going to shut up so y'all can just get on to it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So yeah, I saw your stuff on Twitter. It's all a lot of wildlife stuff, so that's awesome. I'm excited to hear all about it. That's what I like doing, you know. I mean, I like being outside, um, seeing new stuff, looking at the plants, looking at the animals. So my background is also a biologist. I'm a zoologist, to be frank. Um, specialized at birds oh, and stuff nice. like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We're both bird people. That's fun. <laughs> right. What's your favorite bird? The swallow-tailed kite. Oh, I saw a swallow-tailed kite when I was in Grenada. Oh, they're so pretty. I love them because they're just so graceful and they travel long distances. And I see them when I'm like in the field and it's August and it sucks out. And then there's like a pretty bird flying over and it just makes me happy and it makes everything to be okay. One of my favorites is the the red-tailed hawk. I like the badass voice it has. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I was whooping the the red tail, but the voice is, sorry, that call is awesome. Uh When they hear a red tail, I I love the sound of a red tail. Yeah, there's a reason they use their call in all like movies. There should be an eagle, which would just sound like a chicken. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was at with the cowboy movies. They put the red tail call that make it sound so awesome. I was like telling somebody that's not, that's not. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Eagle, man, that's a red tail hawk. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I always notice that too. Cool. Well, so you tell me, like, what you what you've got going on in Jamaica right now? Like, what are you up to? What are you doing? Okay, so right now in Jamaica, right now, I'm I'm trying to complete my PhD. In Jamaica, we had one of the rarest iguana in the world. That was the Jamaica iguana, um, Cyclura coolii. The pretty cool stuff about it that the story about it is that it um they brought in mongoes in the 1800s. That's the Indian mongoes, which is a Badass predator. From the 1800s, it's and some of the people were eating iguanas, and the Mongols brought it to extinction on the mainland, which is Jamaica. So then you have some small islands, which are the Great Goat Islands, which consists of Little and Great Goat Island. That was the last place that they found these iguanas in the 1900s. Come down to the 19 um, about 1920s, they brought the Mongols there. The Mongols started eating most of the iguanas. They couldn't see anything, and then the last thing that happened that was bad. They were building a military base in the 1940s on these islands. They removed most over 10 to 20 of these guys, brought them somewhere, and all of them died off in a couple of years. So we learned up from 1940 that iguana was extinct. In 1990, there was a wild pig hunter with his dog. They caught an iguana in Helpshire Hills. It's a very remote place in Jamaica. 
a dry limestone forest, brought it to the zoo and the University of West Indies. And that's how the iguana program started, where a lot of science zoo people came down and they came up with this plan to bring it back. So now it is one of the most successful programs in bringing back iguana from the Bricka extinction. However, we have to be out there. So if we stop the trapping, they're extinct. So my project now is, um, as I told you about the Goat Islands, it also was a home of the iguana. So now I'm evaluating it in the aim of bringing back the iguanas there. But on this island, we have a lot of invasive. And we have to check stuff. Is the habitat okay again for these guys to come back? So while I'm having fun on Goat Island, it's part of my research. So right now I'm doing a lot of work there, camera traps to see what invasive there. Also looking at um, potential. Okay, so how they nest? They nest two ways. They have this communal area where all the iguanas come down once a year and they dig and build nests. So they call these nest sites. And they, sometimes a few of them nest in rock holes, but they prefer to the communal site. So in dry limestone forests, they have a little bit of soil in Hellshire Hills. And we have, so soil is very limited. So what we're doing now, same islands I mentioned about the Great Goat Island, we're comparing the areas that we think are potential nesting sites with the one in Hellshire Hills. So, so just say that we're looking at the overall habitat. So checking birds, looking at herbs, going on boats, looking at manatees, looking at seagrass. It's just fun. That's what we're doing right now. Especially in the time of COVID where everybody's locked up. I'm enjoying my island, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really remarkable that they were found like all those years later, uh, not actually extinct, but almost. Yeah, yeah that's what that's why I said make it very super cool, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to like reintroduce them somewhere where they're not, it's not suitable. So that's important work that you're right. doing. Right. Because what a lot of people are thinking of, because they were there before, it's just easy to put them back. But they had done a lot of stuff on those islands. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you just have to be sure that the habitat is okay for them to go back. And it's not only iguanas they're putting back there, we're putting back other animals. We have like a Utia here. Most of the locals here don't know how Utia looks. And we we're thinking about it, putting back some. We have this um, lizard that we call the blue tail gallows. It's basically critically endangered. Yeah, some snakes. We have some boars here. We don't have any poisonous snake like you guys. So it's just going to be a cool lizard. It's one of the largest um, reserve we're going to be doing in the Caribbean like this. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like a massive undertaking, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And How I'm enjoying doing it. Oh yeah, it sounds like a blast. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> How big is this iguana? All right, if it looks snow to vent, that's with the long tail. It can go up to six feet. Whoa. Six to eight feet. Yeah. Whoa. That's <laughs> but basically, they are like for, it's a big ass iguana. Big. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's really cool. No wonder that mongoose wiped them out, though. Mongoose are very effective predators. <laughs> yeah, man, because what the mongoose do is go after the eggs and the hatchlings. Mm. Because um, when they're big, no, nothing really can get the iguanas except maybe a feral dog. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the predators out there that we have is like mongoose, we have cats, the wild pigs, boars that dig up these areas. Uh, um, sometimes some people have some practices that I encourage people not to do. Sometimes when they have feral animals that are they can't look after them anymore, they release them in the wild. And they become a big problem for wildlife. Because I had this project where I was, um, I put up some cameras at Bat Cave exit 
I was surprised to find that when the bats were coming out, some of these bats that we have are critically endangered. Yeah, we have about 20 bats in Jamaica, four are endemic. Wow. I think three is critically endangered. Yeah. So um, what, what these cats do is stay there at the entrance of the cave and they catch them at night at the exit. And they also go in the cave at night. So I have all this cool footage on camera and sometimes I showcase it to people that don't release your cat in the wild. If, if you have a problem with a cat, carry it to an animal shelter. Yeah, cats are, uh, domestic cats are not wild animals. <laughs> right. They need to stay inside because they kill so much wildlife like oh, cats yeah, and birds. Yeah. And, oh. and, and they catch them. Yeah, they're a massive problem. Right. It, are um, the hogs, they're not native to Jamaica, are they? No, the, the hogs yeah. that we had, um, if you understand how Jamaica was, we had the Spanish that were, they, they for, um, came here first. So when they came here, they brought hogs and then the British. So And the thing is, just remember, these islands, um, our native stuff evolved without these predators. Yeah. So um, that's why a lot of people don't have it. The iguana wasn't, didn't evolve with both wild boar, dogs, cats, and the Indian mongols. So that's why these um, animals, when they come to the Caribbean, and it's a similar story if you check different islands, they just come and they wipe out our native birds, our native frogs, you name it. And we only have small mammals here. We don't have the big stuff. Right, yeah. That's one of the things I think is so interesting, but then ends up being so devastating with like ecosystems is because it's cool how it all developed together. But then when you remove a part or add something different that they're not used to, it just destroys the whole thing. Oh, yeah, that's that. that yeah. And, really and currently bad. right now, because I have this webinar that I'm supposed to be doing because I'm very active in the bird life Jamaica, mm -hmm. which is part of the bird life Caribbean, which is part of art and yeah, the whole bird group thing. And one of the problems that we have been talking about is um, invasives here. For example, in Jamaica, we have um, the ringneck parakeet mm. and we have another parrot, the yellow nape. So we have two native parrots, that is the black bill and the yellow bill parrots. And we also have an olive tree parakeet. So now when these invasives comes in, you know, for example, the ringneck parakeet is a big problem in Europe. It's also a problem in US where these guys, um, can mess up some of the farms. And they also use other animal nest cavity, for example, um, woodpeckers, even where bats would hang out. So for example, we are now, we do not know that the impacts they're having, but we know the numbers are increasing. But one thing we are sure is that the public think that they're pretty birds. And when you put in a certain conservation method, and you are a biologist just like me, you know how ugly it can get. So if we don't we're doing the good stuff, we could look like the bad guys. So for example, sometimes I have to use social media telling, yeah, it's not our native parrots. These guys have been around humans and other animals. There's a higher risk that they could pass disease to our native population. So, I mean, if you follow some of the extreme biologists, they would say, call all of them. It's not really that pretty, but um, we have seen what happened to the Puerto Rican parrots. Oh, the, the population went down and they had to put in conservation measures to get the population up. So right now we have a lot of these invasives coming in and we have to find a way to deal with it. And it's not a Jamaica problem, it's a Caribbean problem. It's a world problem. That's yeah. another thing I try to use social media to reach out. Yeah, because I, I mean, I know it here at least, like there's a lot of things that people don't realize aren't native, like we have Nutria and they're everywhere. They're not native. Oh, yeah, they yeah, are yeah, so I remember. destructive. Yes, I remember and, seeing them in um, when I came to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't understand why there's a season for them. Why isn't it just like kill as many as you want? Because there's so many, we're never going to kill them all anyway. Because <laughs> they're so bad for the system and they just destroy everything. Uh, yeah, and you guys have the Tegus too, which I was like, whoa. I don't think so. When I was in um, Florida again, yeah, there were some problems where I went there, the Tegus were. Yeah, Florida's got all kinds we, of crazy things going on. Yeah, because we were, we were, we were a bit nervous in Jamaica because we didn't want Tegus here. Because they are just as bad as the Mongols. And I was like, no. I don't think they've been found in Louisiana that I know. No, no, that not no, not Louisiana yet. Not yet. That doesn't no, mean no. they won't come here. <laughs> no, no, no. I was talking in yeah. Yeah. Florida when we're there. They are there. Yeah. And this oh, crazy guys had some white some Nile crocodiles in a section that I was laughing about. What what is a Nile crocodile doing in Florida? You know? No, it's not. That's not where the Nile is. It's not even <laughs> <continent>. <laughs> like, Yeah. But yeah, but back here, we, we're having problems like that. Mm-hmm. And because we're, we're a small island, when these um, invasives get established, they're big problems. Yeah. So what I do, I use social media. Initially, what I used to do, um, as a researcher, I was taught, you know, in our doctrine that you don't really put a lot of stuff on social media and it's not cool and stuff like that. Well, I found out when I was doing my research that a lot of people didn't understand what I'm doing. So I started out first, but I, I recall that I was using a lot of the scientific jargons and nobody answered, understand that except us. So I had to find a nice, cute way to get rid of it. If I say endemic, I have to break it down. It's only found here because not everybody understands words like that. So I, I use it to showcase the work that I'm doing. And that was my PhD work. And also, if I was looking grand, that, they, that I was out there doing real work, that's nothing beat a picture of you. And then after it broke out where I started talking about other stuff, and then people started responding, and people. So I, I use um, social media um, as a tool just to showcase what we have, because uh, most of the locals here are not aware of the animals and the plants that we have. That's my way of... Um, what well, I should say, bring awareness. Oh, in Jamaica, the, most of the, the people do not like lizards. And there is a lot of myths because, for example, we have um, some endemic lizard that we call the gallywas. It's a celestial species. There's a myth that if the gallywas bites you or sting you and reach the water before you, that you will die. So a lot of people are mortified. So the first thing I have to tell them, the gallywas is a lizard. And then I said, we do not have venomous lizards in Jamaica. And then I had to put one in my hand and show that it bite me and I didn't drop down <laughs> and stuff like that. So we use yeah. social. So because of myths like that, people persecute these animals and kill them. And most, a number of people here do not like snakes. We don't have venomous snakes. So I hold a snake in my hand. I, I tell people what to do with it and they call me to come and get it. My mom is terrified of all of those stuff. And initially she seen the garden, she would go after it. But after the stuff that I started putting out the material, she said she would live with it or call me to come and get it. So when people doing stuff like that, that makes my day because initially they would just kill it. But now they're calling me or sending a message or call and say that rescue this bird. Or they call and say that this guy is doing this bad thing. For example, right now we have crocodiles in Jamaica. Crocodiles are not the cutest thing to a number of people. I find them cute. And I mean, I think alligators are cute. So they're like, they're, you know, 
Simple. Right. I think they're cool. I think it's yeah. fine. <laughs> I exactly. Would... I would have a nice huggable crocodile um, teddy bear, you know? I think they're cute. <laughs> but anyway, here they are being persecuted. They are listed as endangered in Jamaica. And the key thing that why they're listed as endangered is um, habitat lost. And the main thing is the destruction of their home, which are wetlands and stuff like that. So, um, and then lately, um, there's a new thing here where people are now poaching it illegally because some wise guy believed that if you eat a man eater, that it will be the greatest um, aphrodisia in the world and you will get to sleep with so many ladies and it would be the king of the bedroom or whatever. And because of that, there's a lot of illegal things going on. So when we put stuff on social media now and talk about the crocodile, we said, um, I'm not telling you to love it. I'm not telling you to, that's the cutest. I'm just asking you to respect it and respect where it lives. And it, it is a Jamaican just like us. And I found out lately that you have a number of people now that will contact me and say, hey, this guy's doing this to the crocodile. So um, the social media works, although <laughs> currently most of the, the videos that I post on Twitter um, have been blocked. Um, the other day I did, um, we we're doing a crocodile necroscopy where we found this big crocodile and we had some um, international experts here. We had Joy Brown and a number of friends. So we, we wanted to know, um, okay, so we don't regularly find these, a big crocodile that is dead, so about 12 feet. So we wanted to know, you know, as a biologist, this would give you good in, information on what they're eating, the health of the animals. So this was a great. So we did some videos of it and I showcased everything. So maybe some people found that very disturbing, although I listen, hey. So I was, I'm currently blocked in terms of all my content and Twitter now has it that sensitive. There was a lot of stuff in this crock stomach. We found mm -hmm. um, condoms, plastic bags. We found a bird tag. So that means we enjoyed a bird. Found a lot of garlic. He was eating garlic, cloves of garlic. <laughs> right. And he was eating a yeah. lot of um, snails, upperculum. We found a lot of snails, upperculum in it. But we don't know what snail he was eating. So the, the thing with stuff like that now, in doing stuff like that, is that we can now use this information for conservation. So, hey, where are they getting these stuff? So if they're on a switch plant, you know, all of that is a switch plant working or stuff like that. We just use social media to just showcase Mm -hmm. anything that we have about animals. So. I think that's one of the most powerful ways social media can be used is to like raise awareness of things that are important, like what you're doing, and also like reach people you maybe would never come across, you know, because you don't right. have to physically be in the same space, but you can just be occupying the same corner of Twitter <laughs> and you'll reach people. And that's great. Yeah, because I can give it, for example, right now on Twitter, I just have a small following, maybe a 4,000, it's not a lot. But then I didn't know the reach that there are so much people who is not even following me that are getting information. So because of that now, it opened different doors where I'm doing interviews both locally and internationally. I'm reaching different groups. Because for example, one of the problems that I found out personally is that sometimes we conservationists give the, bad, the business people bad name. And let me tell you how. Sometimes they don't understand the language. We think, we think that they understand. And I found out from using Twitter and that, 
that you could be educated, you could have a PhD, but you still don't understand from a biologist's point of view. And then we biologists need to understand from a business point of view and then put it all together to work for one common goal. And the perfect example I always tell somebody is, for example, in Jamaica, we have a big problem with having protected areas. So we protect an area, but we don't have the money, right? Then you have the business people now who have the money. How could we work together where we have conservation and we have the development and have the two of them worked in hand? I'm not saying in all cases that can work, but in some cases that can work. We, we have to look at different possibilities because for example, here in Jamaica, one of our main business is tourism and people come down for beautiful sand, beach, and even for the environment. If the beach is not beautiful, if they're not seeing the animals and stuff, after a while, they're not going to come here. So it is in the businessman, it's the interest of the businessman to make sure that the environment is okay. And I think that social media, it's not the tool that ends all, but just to showcase from your point of view and what you're doing and what your goal is important. I also use it to get a lot of information on animals. So for example, we have the Cuban tree frog. Sorry, we have it now, the invasive Cuban tree frog, which is a problem now in, in Miami. I don't know if it's by you in Louisiana. And I use social media and even um, newspaper to write articles to get information on where these animals are located. So with that now, somebody would give me a picture of the frog. So I got the picture location. So we have confirmation now. So we, we know which parishes they are. We also start asking questions where you find it. So for example, in Jamaica, um, in some of the areas where we have limited um, water supply by pipe, people have these, I don't know if you know, drums that they fill with water, or small tanks, so they, they are using it now. So we get the information that the frogs are breeding there. And then some of the bee farmers now send pictures of the frog on their beehive catching the bee. So just from the social media, we're getting location, confirmation, what the frogs are doing, and the spread and the time. And you, you put all of that together. But guess what? It takes a lot of time to yeah. do it. And I'm a PhD student, so some of all of that, I can't manage it. So I try to pass it on different groups to try and, and get. But it is, as one of my supervisors told me, we scientists are visiting an area. The people in the community live there for years. Mm -hmm. They are likely to see stuff that we don't see. But sometimes they, they don't understand the importance or if it's something interesting. So when you show a picture, you tell somebody, hey, if you find something unique, send me a picture. They send you. Mm -hmm. And by getting that, I know no invasive is here or something that we thought was extinct, we know it's here now. So that's another way I will use it. And I enjoy using it that way. Yeah, both of those ways are super valuable. Um, and I looked up the Cuban tree frog don't think it's in Louisiana, but it's in Florida, as yeah. everything is. <laughs> yeah, that's what I tell you. Florida is a place, man. We, yeah. we have Jamaican annals in Florida. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. The world's so messed up, <laughs> <laughs> like, ecologically. We'll just talk only about that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you get into this whole field? Like, what drew you to it? Well, I grew up in a rural area, so I grew up on a farm. So from I was small, I like animals, just playing with them and stuff like that. So when, um, when I went to high school, I went to a traditional high school in Parsha Karnan called Glenmere High. 
the cool, if you wanted to do a, a profession, the coolest stuff that you want to do is become either a doctor, lawyer, or something like that. There, we didn't want to talk about being a scientist. I wanted to be a farmer, but in some people's head is who didn't finish school become a farmer. So after a while, I wanted to be a doctor. So when I went to university, I found out that I didn't like the smell of hospital, didn't like cuts, don't like injection, afraid of blood. All of what would create a part of not being a doctor. So I was there um, during my undergrad year and stuff like that. One of the um, professors there, I think it was the head of the department, saw so me in his class and said that I chat too much. So again, to find somewhere to put my energy. And then he brought me to um, an NGO called BirdLife Jamaica. I think that, what, 17 years or some years ago after that, um, being in that NGO with birds, I've been in the environment in every way. And I've never turned back. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Yes, it was surprising that one of my mom friends said that, you know, when you were small, you were here catching lizard. I can't believe you go back to the university and come back here catching lizard and counting birds, you know? <laughs> Why you go to university, you do? Right. But yeah, that's how I, I become in it. So I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. I, for, it was similar for me. I was just like, I liked being outside a lot. And it took me a while to figure out that that was like a job people could have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So I would get a job by counting birds and lizards, you know. But yeah. yeah, that was one of my first jobs, was just like banding birds. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, I did a lot of bird banding, too, you know. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Only when the mosquitoes and the sunflies decide to join the party, it becomes a drag. Might be slightly less fun then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned BirdLife Jamaica before, earlier on, too. So, like, what have it sounds like you've been doing a lot with them can you tell me about that well the thing is as so with all the stuff that i do i'm firstly a birder so i'm still on the bird life jamaica um executive committee here the committee because i'm on social media and i've said i'm cool i believe i'm cool um i normally which i know by my colleagues we especially during the time of covid now um we're very active in bird life Jamaica. It's one of the few groups that we follow in the government um, protocols that we can carry people out to do birding. For example, I always tell everybody, you don't have to be a birder to become part of BirdLife Jamaica. And it's pretty cool when you go out there. It's, it's not a club. It's not. It's family. Everybody there becomes family. We eat, we talk, we go new areas. Everybody looks forward for another out, outing. And as a result of COVID, now, we're having a lot of set webinars. And we're having webinars with um, people from Bird, like Birds Caribbean, with the other islands, and also with North America. So, for example, before that, we'd have set webinars, but you would have a lot of, yeah, we didn't have webinars like that. It was not like everybody using Zoom now. So now we're having all of the groups. So I'm very active in like doing presentation. Like I did a presentation two months ago about camera traps. I did some training in Virginia on how to use camera traps. So, um, we, we use seminars to introduce people to different stuff, give information about some of the birds. For example, we have this bird last month. Um, I think the president of Birds Caribbean gave a presentation on the golden swallow, the work that he's doing. And he came to Jamaica looking for it because we believe that it's extinct. It's not here anymore. But he did some work in being a member of BirdLife. You get the chance um, to do birding, one. You get the chance to know what is going and even some of the guys we teach them how to be like tour guides 
to make some money with other groups doing bird watching. So I'm very active in it because it's one of the first groups that I worked with. I think if there's a silver lining of this pandemic, it's that we have all figured out how to do things online. And so it's easier to connect, to do things like webinars that like oh, yeah. maybe would have been in person before and not that many people would have been able to make it because of work or school or whatever. That is so true. Um, I, I can vote for that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I've been talking to people, learning so much stuff, see more people in meetings. And the thing with this um, pandemic is that uh, I find out that on Twitter and stuff that people are not in tune with their backyards, with nature, because mm-hmm. you're home. Yeah. So if you're home bored, what are you going to start doing? You can be in the garden looking out, looking through your window. Mm-hmm. You, you start seeing stuff that you didn't see before. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I've personally been doing that. I do a lot of like backyard book reading and bird watching, just sitting in my chair, you know, right. uh, things I didn't used to do before because I didn't take the time to mm-hmm. or make the time to maybe. I feel like there's a lot of cool wildlife in Jamaica. I didn't know about that. I need to go just like look at on Google because yeah, they're so cool. There's so much cool. Jamaica's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And, and that's the next thing to buy posing stuff with, um on social media i mean jamaicans overseas no i know seeing i know viewing it because they're happy to see it. just it's kind of like bring back memories of home so mm-hmm. i mean you when you put out a little video or a little picture you don't know the impact that it have on some people you know although so i know my ladies tell me that they're getting blocked me if i keep but you know like you said there that's true a lot of places but there's like misconceptions about things right like y'all don't have any venomous snakes you know and i get it like i feel like being afraid of snakes is a basic human condition but you know they're okay Mm -hmm. i just give them space it's fine that's how i that's basically my approach to snakes anyway right it's fine i'll just go the other way so are you rooster in rooster's world is that your nickname Mm -hmm. that's right but even now, a lot of people don't know that I'm Damien, you know, like people, who the hell is Damien? Yeah. Oh, Rooster, yeah! I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's funny how that works. All your handles are all Rooster's World, and I was like, that's kind of cool, and I was just curious. Right, so the, the reason why I started putting handles on the stuff, okay, lately, I have a lot of stuff that has gone viral. So, for example, the stuff that I was telling you with the bats out of the cave, I have the cats actually catching it, I have footage of it. I didn't think it was anything cool. And then when a number of foreign researchers reaching out to me and people even from bat conservation use it in their presentation. So I was like, darn. And then when I looked on, well, I mean, it was 10,000 views, then it went to 20, then it went to 50, then it was growing exponentially. And I was like, hmm. But then I find out that sometimes people just take your stuff and don't um, acknowledge you. So I said, all right, you know what, you know, I didn't care first, even though I still don't really. I'm not doing it for monetary reason or anything like that. My aim is to just showcase what is here. Although I know my people know are reaching out to me. I mean, I remember seeing this email from somebody from Animal Planet or a producer that is linked to them. We're saying if they could do this or I remember a con- um, conversation now with BBC um, Earth. Like it's just initial talks that like they come into the Caribbean so they want to know the people that they could work with. And I was like, first I was like, I'm not really doing anything super, so why would you want to, to be talking about that? But so after that, no, I see the, and then I had a, 
I had a video I was doing with a crocodile that was coming up on a dock and wanted to know what the crocodile was doing, so I put some cameras. And then they found out that some dogs were there chasing the crocodile. And that became viral too. So what I start doing now, I start putting Rooster's World on it. And then yeah. I start looking at some other people now that put like Rooster's World and what the video is about. So, mm -hmm. so it's just to put the content. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. And then people will know who the hell is Rooster's World. So yeah. Yeah, so if you go viral again, people will know where it came from. Right. Yeah. And I and I believe that people want to know who's doing this stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I will. For example, like right now, I'm so happy with the way things working out because people are now sending me, today, this guy sending me pictures of Lizard in his house. And he liked this Lizard, and I tell him to call it a name, mushrooms. Somebody sharing pictures about a snake. Something bad, somebody throwing a, a, a stone on a crocodile. They come, it's like I'm Mr. Environment. And it's, I'm happy to know that people care about the environment. So at least there's something positive coming up. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of positive things. You've got people interested and they're reaching out to you. And you've right. sounds like you've got this like great community you've built. Yeah, and they're talking. And the thing is, as I tell everybody, you can ask me any question. If I, if I don't have the answer, I lead it to another expert. Yeah. And then I, I using apps now like iNaturalist and stuff like that. To, yeah, I must tell you that I suck at documenting things pretty good. But apps like iNaturalist, wow, I love it. One, it gets to document the stuff. Two, um, it gives me suggestions on what, and I, then I check Google to see which species recorded in Jamaica. And three, a number of scientists are linked there. So when I identify something, sometimes and I believe it's this species, they said, no, Damien, and then we're having discussion, and then we come up. So I, I like that. As I always tell people, social media can be good and bad, but it depends on how you use it. And the, the cell phone right now is a very powerful tool in the sense that you have a camera now that somebody has in hand. You can take a picture. You can share it. You can go, whether you're using Twitter, whether you're using iNaturalist, you go in a network, you can identify other stuff. And... You have people coming down to do study now. So when you put in, where's this frog? All of this come up and it makes it easier. That sort of leads into what I was going to ask you next. Because um, I was curious what you think might be the biggest thing that's changed in your field. But what I think is that it's like the technology and everybody having a camera in their pocket and being able to document things real time. So I'm wondering yeah. if that's if that's what you think or if there's something else that's going on. Yeah, because... Um, I remember having conversation with, with some of my other colleagues. I have colleagues that are mad at me saying that um, why you're showcasing stuff, you need to be humble. Scientists don't showcase stuff. And there's a Jamaican, I wouldn't say Jamaican, there's a proverb that people have that the humble calf sucks the most milk. And in our world and how things change, changing, it's not true. If you sit back there, and you don't showcase what you are doing. I'm not saying you're showing off, but if you don't put in out that this is what I'm doing, then you are left in the back. In the back. Yeah. So for example, in our field right now, um, if you want grants, mm -hmm. because some of the people who are giving grants are not scientists, but they want to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So when you're telling them, oh, this bird is black, it's beautiful, nothing beats a picture. Mm -hmm. And they see it and they say like, wow, so you, you have to, I would tell my colleagues and why I said change in the field is that we have social media, we have the tools, 
use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, use it. It's 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 there because right now, I can reach out and ask different experts for help. People are sending me papers based on what I I show. Are even calling me, say, Damian, this is wrong. You're using the wrong scientific name. I have people going through my messages. You know, like I have some people like because right now I have this um. I should state I'm not the best in English. Sometimes I make a lot of mistakes. Sometimes maybe I'm typing too fast, I'm thinking. And I have apps now that goes through whatever I tweet to make a mistake. And sometimes I make a, the auto correction might have changed them when I tweet at it. And then in less than a minute, they're there. Damien, this needs a fix. And I'm like, geez. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but I enjoy that though, because um, we all need correction at times, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, and the next thing is, it just show you that people, um, because sometimes people think it's bad when people are making suggestions. It just show you that people is reading their stuff and I, I'm happy to know that people are reading it, so. That what you said earlier about like being able to share it and showcase sort of resonates with me um, because when I was in grad school, there was like this pressure to like, don't share your data or give away anything or tell people what you're doing. And I was like, all I'm doing is looking at shorebirds and counting them, like they're in public land. Like anybody can see them from a road. This isn't a secret. And right. so, but I like would share it, you know, with the local bird people and they're like, tell me exactly where. And I was like, well, I'm not allowed to. And so I stopped sharing and I was like, but I saw this cool bird and I just want people to like know that it's out there. And it was like this, it was like this weird pressure situation. Whereas now I would just be like, hey, I saw this cool bird here. You know, like, I feel like this is becoming more normal, which I think is good. Yeah, because I, I've been taught that too, you know, uh, for example, Stuff that we, we did with the Jamaica iguana and people talking about nest sites and stuff like that. And people were saying, oh, you can't share information about the nesting or nothing like that, right? But if you go into a book and you go into all the papers that have been published, trust me, if you really want to be, do something nefarious and go to it, you, not one thing that you share. So I understand that a lot of people are very, um, have doubts about using it but i agree with you you have some stuff that you don't share maybe you're going to publish maybe become a arrested animal but other thing if you want to do conservation people need to know if you don't talk about it it. yeah if you don't talk about it if if the community people don't know what's important Mm -hmm. i mean you might have some people who might go there to the site because now your post might know something but on the other hand, they're there. They're the one who could tell you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you just have to, I believe that you need to, to give people a chance. Mm-hmm. And you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, then- if I wasn't posting anything, you would not even be talking to me. <laughs> true. That's very true. Right. So there, there is good in, in all of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree with everything you said. Like maybe don't post something like super sensitive, like where the the actual nest is, but like talking yeah. about how they nest and the types of things like that raises awareness and that's good right. for the species you're trying to save. Yeah, I, I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of that, you know. Listen, you can use one picture and talk about so many stuff and you can do it. There, there's ways to go around it. Yeah. You can yeah, put you the just... species range to be the whole Jamaica. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. 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 There, yeah. There's so many things. There's so much way. I just think that um, some of my colleagues, as I said before, you you have to find ways of showcase. I I know for us to to 
for people to see you and all of that and to get um, your professorship and all of that, you have to show, you have to write papers. But what I find happened, my first thesis that I did is in a library right now gathering dust. Mm -hmm. Same. <laughs> um, do, do I think that's great? No, it's not great. There's a lot of good work. I should have published more from it. And the next thing, I should have found a way so the community people understand what the work was about. And I believe that social media helped bridge this gap. It has also, and the next thing that it has helped me with, um, before I was afraid to be on cameras, I having conversation like this. And after you start doing it, it becomes natural. Yeah, you get used so, to it. Right, you get used to it. Right, yeah. so I mean, I yeah. enjoy it. I feel the same way. Like, I'm not a very good public speaker, though, to be fair, I haven't given a talk since my master's defense, which was a disaster. Right. So, but like talking to someone one on one is really good. And, but it was like really awkward the first couple of times I did this. But now I'm just like, we're just people. We're just talking about cool things or wildlife exactly. or whatever. And I'm talking to you. I'm not even nervous. But before before I start doing that, it would be like because right now, as you said before, with the pandemic, you're doing so much Zoom stuff, you're doing all of that. It's just become like the norm now. And for me, I understand that it's human to make errors. I normally used to judge myself hard mm -hmm. if I'm talking to you and, um, you know, I have a big accent, so sometimes I have to slow it down. Or I might be talking something and I might use some of my Creole in it, Papua, and then I feel bad. But after a while, I find out, hey, that's me. Yeah. I will work on it, but that's me. If you didn't understand something, you say, Damon, hold on. There's nothing wrong in that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's part of being human, so. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was like, we're just people. We're all human. And we all have, you know, like, there's very specific words I say that make no sense to anybody from Lu not from Louisiana, you know? So I think we all have those little things in our vocabulary, and it's totally fine. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a question that's related to the iguana. What do iguanas eat? <laughs> okay, so, so the, the iguana is generally a herbivore. Generally, for now, we have them in a the dry limestone forest. And according to the historic information, they were always found in the dry forest. So we believe that iguanas, our Jamaica iguana, like some other iguanas, they play a role in like eating some of the, the fruits or the seeds, breaking it down in the stomach, and you know, passing it out, and then these trees, then the trees grow. So they eat a lot of fruits. Um, some of the smaller ones now, when they're growing up, might eat some insects too, but it's mainly fruits. Yeah, that's cool. I was I was sitting here, I was like, I realize I have no idea about anything about iguanas. So. Ah, no problem. That's, that's cool. why we're here. Yeah. That's why we're here learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always learn so much from talking to different people. It's my favorite part of doing this podcast. Okay. How long have you been doing this though? Uh, a little over a year now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see too. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's been fun to talk to people from, I think I've talked to people from all over the world that I would have never had, that I would never have gotten connected to or had a mm -hmm. reason to talk to, let yeah. alone have a reason to just like, tell me about all the work you do, you know, <laughs> and then we'll share it with the world and hopefully somebody will learn something or learn, you know, meet, hear about something cool and so that's kind of the whole goal. I've been ending, well, actually, let me start with this. Is there anything else we should talk about that you that you would like to talk about? The last thing I would just like to talk about uh, that I didn't mention, 
um, I know you might talk to one of my friends, Joey Brown, because you soon get him, is that one other thing we also do here is um, we do a lot of rescues. Mm-hmm. So um, we, so normally if people, any animal that somebody find in their house, I mean, I got called about donkeys. I've rescued a osprey that I call Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> On social media, they tell me to stop naming the animals because I, the names that I use sucks. Oh. But I think Ozzy the osprey was cool. I like it. Exactly. Yeah. And I name my owl, Oli. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically what happened is, um, yeah, Ozzy died and it broke my heart. But mm-hmm. it was a pretty cool osprey. You know, we had a big relationship. Like he was telling me, don't touch. And I was like, oh, you're so cute. And he was like, touch me and I get those hands off. But yeah. So we, we do that. And I mean, um, when we rehabilitate some of the animals, it's pretty cool. For example, I remember um, we had this friend, she reached out to me on Twitter about a baby owl um, at her house, Shellyan, Shellyan, uh, whatever. She's very popular on Twitter in Jamaica. So she rescued the, a baby owl and we had him at the zoo and he got big and all of that. But what happened to Shellyan, she, she had cancer and then she did this program where she was showcasing the whole process. I know she's okay. So it's pretty cool and everything. So we released the owl in honor of Shelly. Oh, that's cool. And it was so touching for her that, you know, said, hey, that's that. So we do stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't planned. It just happened like we're like, we have to showcase releasing this owl for Shelly because she's doing a fight now. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we do pretty good stuff like that. I mean, you get attached to some of these animals and then, you know, Ozzy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ozzy, I was really attached to Ozzy. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. That's cool. And that's one of the fun parts. And, and I can tell you, when you do this stuff, that's where a lot of people um, um, get involved and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I didn't mention that I wanted to mention. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job at like communicating all the things about Jamaican wildlife to people and you're reaching people and I mean, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, I have two questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been ending all the episodes with two like non-science related questions. Um, for just, you know, because it's mm-hmm. fun. And the first one is what are your hobbies? Oh, no, that's it, no. So my hobbies, no. Well, before I used to, I love to cook. I love to travel. Um, I like fo- I love sports. I'm a sports fanatic. I love cricket. I like soccer. I like boxing, wrestling, you name it. Most of the sports, I love it. So I'm a sports fan. I used to love the gym a lot, but from COVID, I have to be running like that. Right, yeah. Um, and I love to travel and meet new people. Mm-hmm. And I love to talk. I talk <laughs> to you the whole day. I like that. Lately, I pick up fishing. I'm not going to say I'm the greatest fisherman, but that when you feel that fish grab that hook, even though I didn't catch the fish, it's like this big trail came through my body like, ooh. <laughs> but I still haven't caught my big fish yet, but hey, that's why I like. Yeah, you get I was going to say I like singing, but I don't want them, the, the, um, the computer to mash up right now, hear my singing. I, I believe I'm a great bathroom singer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I also like to travel and meet people, but I mean, obviously I can't do that right now, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all, it sucks. We can't travel right now. I know, it sucks. Mm -hmm. There's 
we'll get we'll get back to that someday hopefully we will and then the other question because i'm always looking for book recommendations is what are you (laughs) reading right now if anything okay so i'm normally a horror book guy person you know uh-huh. I used to like the Dean Coates and the Stephen King and all those. Uh-huh. I must confess, lately I've not been doing a lot of readings. I mean, that's in, that's fair. You got a lot on your plate. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty bad. I, I, yeah, that's it. The thing when you're using a lot of social media, that means, for example, I could right now I could go on iNaturalist and I see uh, about 30 different messages with people disputing certain stuff. That, so I mean, it's taking a lot, but I need to get back into reading. And uh, you're right. Other than what I'm reading, you know, but I'm not reading what I want to read. I have, be, have to be reading all these papers. Right. <laughs> because my professor is at my back. Your PhD is finishing this year, Damien. So read and write. <laughs> yeah. I know. I feel Sleep, so... I'm hearing that, you know? Yeah. I feel so bad when I ask students that question because <laughs> when I was in grad school, I mean, I didn't read anything. I wasn't being paid to read, basically, which I mean grad students in the U.S. don't make much money. I don't know what the situation is there, but it was like... No, 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 it's worse here. It's worse. Um, yeah, it's like, I'm going to just read all these papers and I don't have time to read anything else. My eyeballs might fall out of my head, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're totally fair. Right, so right now, and when you asked that question, I was like, Jesus, Damien, when last you read a book other than academic papers, reports, and all that, I was, was like... Totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. You got me there. No, it's fine. If someone had asked me that question when I was in grad school, I'd have been like, I don't even know what the last book I read was because it was probably a textbook and nobody wants to know that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I can't, if you did ask me that, no, I could give you a list of books. <laughs> yeah, I've been reading books that people recommended to me, but like I'm reading one about parasites. It's very weird and very fascinating. <laughs> yeah, Parasite Rex. It's, it's yeah, someone parasite else. Yeah, Parasite can scare the hell out of you. I can it's kind of like horror, but except, you know, nonfiction. <laughs> but it seems that they can do some, I mean, you could make some crazy horror movies with these stuff. Yeah, this this could definitely be a horror movie. I mean, look at the cover of this thing. I mean, if you see it, oh, I don't geez, even know what it is. Oh, jeez, man. Oh, my. Oh, man. I don't know what it's it like is. Rex. <laughs> it could be out of a Stephen King book, for all I know. Well, no, yeah, that could be a Stephen King book. Look at the red mark and look at the dot. No, man, that book is... That could be a scary book. Yeah, it's fascinating though. But, uh, right. yeah, very weird. <laughs> yeah, so I want to say thank you for doing this. It's been so nice to meet you. Uh, you're awesome. You're doing great work. Keep it up. Good luck on your PhD. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm very happy that you found the time to talk to me because I'm happy now. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's been awesome. I, mean, I, I could tell I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, no, I have one more question actually. What's up for Damien after your PhD? What do you think you'll end up doing or what do you want to do? Okay, well, after the PhD, what I want to do, I want, I need to fix my personal life, so. I, I, I hear to, that, me too. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, I, I need, as a friend keep on telling me, there's more life than the science and that, so yeah. Yeah, I need to find the lovely one that enjoys the craziness in me. That's one of my, yeah, that's one of the first one. The second one is, I think I want to travel more. The Caribbean are some pretty cool places. So I want to do more, more work on it, especially content that I'm doing. Uh, I think we need to do more in the Caribbean because I don't know much about the Caribbean. We are not so far from each other, but it's nearer for me to go to the US than the Caribbean in terms of the flights are more cheaper. 
Mm-hmm. So I think on social media, I've been linking up with a lot of Caribbean um, scientists, and I want to go there to see what they're doing. I want to see the animals. I want to see the plants. Yeah. I want to drink some of the rum too, and maybe get some <laughs> of the carnival parties. You got to, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's on the other side. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I need to. That I sounds awesome. They, yeah, I want to do more for the Caribbean. So that's, that's the aim for me when I finish. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And like, that would be a great way to meet, like you said, meet people across the Caribbean doing all kinds of things. Exactly. And I started doing some stuff, you know, but I need to do more, you know. So yeah. for example, you know, I'm supposed to help a colleague to do some camera trap studies in, in on another island. I'm trying to remember where, but the project, it's going to be a cool camera trap study. Well, not a camera trap study. We're going to be looking at some behavioral stuff with birds using camera traps. Mm-hmm. And then I might go there and look at what bats are doing and stuff like that. I'm generally a naturalist, you know, meaning that I'm just interested in anything there that's nature. I'll go in an area and I see an ant, I'm looking at it, or I see a mushroom. So, answer your question, that's what I want to do when I finish. Yeah, it sounds like you have endless options and loads yeah. of ideas, and I'm sure you'll find something amazing or lots of somethings. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been so great to meet you. And uh, nice to meet you, Dan. All right. Bye bye. Hey, y'all. It's Rachel here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I just wanted to have a quick reminder that if you or a friend or someone you think would be a good guest, if you have any people like that, let me know or send them my way in some way. Um, And how you can do that is you can find me on Twitter at Flying Cypress. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Storytellers of STEM. That's STEM with two M's. We also have a shiny new Twitter account for the podcast, so you can find the podcast on Twitter at Storytellers42. Yes, I'm a nerd. You can also email me, storytellersofstem at gmail.com. Or you can find me and everything else on my website, rachelvelani.com. So you have loads of ways to get in touch with me. I want to hear from you. Go like the Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter. Follow all the storytellers on Twitter since they're mostly all there. And just, you know, have a good day. And thank you for listening.